Hey, what's going on, happy people? So, we're going to be talking about some unhappy things, you know. I've talked about this before, but it's been such a long time. I'm going to give it a shot. It's been a while. The Ruby Ridge Affair deserves a bit more, right? One of my first recorded articles or podcast episodes was on this event. Looking back on it and the very small audience that heard it, I'm compelled to give it a punch-up of sorts. I'm no professional, but my writing has improved over the years, and so has my confidence behind a microphone. <laughs> I feel it's time to give this story a bit more, and perhaps, <clears throat> and perhaps less than the first try. Not really sure what I meant there. When you're trying to relate a historical event to people who you assume have little or no knowledge of, I'm left wondering if I was hard enough on the state for their take, you know, for their making of this entire affair possible and a reality. Was I straightforward enough to show that there is no case for the state, dude? This was a matter of pure political terror brought to the isolated cabin retreat of a white Christian family. For no better reason than they could, they barged into Randy Weaver's wife, Randy Weaver's life, and ran amuck until they'd gotten their quote big break. They approached him and offered this bumpkin way too much money to saw off the barrels of two shotguns. He might have sawn the handle too, but who cares? I used to keep a single shot, sawed off shotgun underneath my couch. The thing looked like a musket, it was so short, dude. Anyone with a hacksaw alone can do this. If you want, you can file it down and sand the grip, but rigging up a more efficient weapon only takes a hacksaw and a couple minutes. The results? Well, they're pretty fucking dramatic. Just the spread between a long duck gun and an 18-inch legal self-defense barrel shows a dramatic difference in shot pattern. Like, humongous. The point? Well, these aren't underground gunsmiths that are converting semi-automatics to full autos, right? Not rebels developing anything that can rival the submachine guns, the night vision, or the snipers who all held the high terrain over the Weaver cabin. A sawed-off shotgun is for close encounter. Randy was usually seen with a hunting rifle. Could have been in any number of good calibers, but it wasn't a military weapon. Little Sammy had a Mini-14, if memory serves. That little lad must have loved that weapon. The Mini-14 is an excellent rifle, and one hell of a source of pride for old dad, I'm sure. I'm sure that when he gave his son that fucking rifle, it meant a lot. <clears throat> Randy's buddy Harris was packing as well, but I can't remember if he even had a rifle. Might have only had a sidearm. Vicky Weaver, who the, your press slandered to no end, was not even seen carrying a weapon at all, as far as I'm aware. Only after your FBI murdered her did she become the, quote, brains of the operation. Only after they had executed an unarmed mother did they start to slander her name and paint her as a radical. Larger-than-life racist with an AR in one hand, a grenade in the other, and a fucking baby strapped to her chest for protection. What bullshit, dude. The story really begins in the 1980s and actually has a ton in common with the Turner Diaries because in the 80s, a group of bank robbers calling themselves the Order spooked the authorities like never before. Also, you had the Sovereign Citizen, the Anti-Income Tax, and so many other groups were forming in opposition to the feds at this time. So the infinite wisdom of the state has led us into many, many tragedies. 
this one being just one of the most obscene. That wisdom would be to create a movement from whole cloth. They were equipped with millions of dollars, guns, and whatever they wanted for weapons, and they crisscrossed this nation. They recruited people from gun shows, identity Christians, Aryan nations, and every single non-establishment group they could. They seem to have all converged on Idaho. <laughs> Can't figure out that happened. That is, the ATF, FBI, and plenty of other three-letter agencies all found themselves at the same Aryan nation's cookout. None of the agents of different groups recognized the others. That's how stupid and unorganized they are. On these undercovers at a peaceful family barbecue. There was probably close to like a 50-50 split even then, man. Pigs and snitches compared to regular people was probably shocking if anyone actually knew. The state included, they were way fucking stupid too. Well, one agent or agency saw a snitch in Weaver, right? After Weaver, Weaver gullibly took the, quote, too-good-to-be-true payment for his hacksaw work, he was hemmed up. No joke. Now, any investigator with half a brain could have seen that Weaver was a lost use of time and resources. Not the ATF, though. Oh, no. They saw this guy as, like, they were, they were sure that he had a backdoor into the whole Patriot movement. If only Weaver would talk. So they gave him an ultimatum. Work for us. Use a wire and entrap people by baiting them into inflamed and reckless speech. Like a sneak thief, gain their confidence, just so we can then ruin those you catch for us. As well, likely get Randy a contract on his own head, right? These groups don't take kindly to snitches, and they will kill you. Refuse us, and we'll take your home, kids, and lock you in a concrete box. Maybe we do Vicky, your wife, the same as you. Maybe your daughter gets raped by foster care. Maybe the boy gets the same. Now choose, Weaver, and choose now. Well, he chose all right, and not one day passes that I'm sure he doesn't second-guess that choice. He knew any appearance before a judge after that would be inside a kangaroo court. He did the only thing he could think to do. When the government is the criminal, and their law makes you a criminal for just avoiding them, we get a standoff. After 18 months of the ATF just not going away and leaving this, quote, failure-to-appear charge alone, they upped the ante. They broke procedure and command when they began to completely surround the cabin with high-tech monitoring devices. They were constantly testing the perimeters by getting closer and closer. They were ordered to do nothing to endanger the children. One night, the dogs tore out of the house like they had a deer in their scent. The men and Sammy all grabbed rifles and ran towards what they hoped was dinner. Sammy reached the commotion first. He rounded the bend to see his dog shot in the spine and scream out in pain. Sammy, a boy, was horrified and sent a few wild shots towards the brush. And he's, you know, he didn't, he didn't hit anybody though, dude. He didn't hit anybody. There's no evidence that Sammy Weaver killed anyone. He screamed out, you killed my dog. He never hit anyone. The agents returned fire and raked Sammy's poor body up the front, nearly shearing off his arm. Then Sammy is heard saying, I'm coming home, Dad. Then a short burst of automatic fire raked the boy's back as he was running to his father. Sammy fell dead. 
Whether it was Harris, Weaver, or Friendly Fire, all we know is a few agents were unalived as well. They won't. They totally deserve what they got, and should not have been cause for what was to come. Yeah, these men's lives were not worth what was to come. Those men were beyond all reasonable jurisdiction. They were acting outside of official authority, and they were disobeying direct commands from Washington. Do not hurt the children. This could have been pinned on the operational level command and those who followed orders that contradicted those of their superiors. This could have been stopped right here, just at the loss of his son. Maybe in some other world, in some alternate reality perhaps, in this reality, the state will never be soft to gain support, only hard to take support. It may be soft to keep the status quo going. You know, they crush rebellion, but make lovey-dovey with you. You better hope they never see you as an untapped resource for them. Then you might have some empathy for your fellows. In all of this story, the most important part is this. Weaver never went looking for trouble wasn't even there to buy guns, and he was usually broke. The Fed saw him as weak. See, he needed money, and if he'd saw off some shotguns for way too much, he'd probably do anything we pay him to. This was a mighty big mistake in judgment on Weaver's actual character, right? They really, they really misjudged him. Sure, he needed the money, and wasn't especially concerned with idiotic laws, but a traitor? And that's what these agents are demanding. You work for us, boy, by showing your fellow Americans you have no honor and will be Judas every time. Nobody likes snitches, and cops included on this one. Back to the message at hand. Where was I? Ah, yes, the dog and Sammy are at the Y, bleeding out or dead already. The agents are all gone, and Harris has gotten split as well. I believe one agent is dispatched by Weaver himself, a righteous killing, without question. When the smoke cleared, they brought Sammy, and I assume the dog, back to the cabin. Sammy was laid in a birthing shed, and the Weavers mourned. I'm sure this first night was just madness. The adrenaline dump and the subsequent crash, the limp and cold body of your only son lying on a slab before you. They left Sammy in peace as they started fighting their own battles. The next day was surreal for the Weavers, I'm sure. What had happened? Was it all real? Did they even speak that night, or were they waiting to be swatted? Thank God for their remote cabin. It was their only salvation, and the only reason anybody survived. Along with their stories, that is, too. All were to be shot, burnt, and buried with no fanfare. That was the state's goal, and it was almost completed the very next day. Randy decided and announced that he was going to look at Sammy one last time. He was immediately joined by Harris as well as Randy's young teenage daughter. <clears throat> as Weaver rounded the corner of the shed, a crack rang out. Boom! Randy is hit in the shoulder. Vicky sees the commotion and throws the door open, ushering them back to safety. As they run for the door, one more shot rang out. This bullet was to collide with the side of Vicky Weaver's face then exit and into the stomach of Harris. Vicky slumped, holding nothing but a screaming, blood-soaked, 18-month-old baby. They pulled the body of Vicky inside and slammed the door shut. At this point, they expected the worst. At this point, 
Who would have any hope for peace after this? They had been shot up, one child executed, the man's wife executed. They weren't asking nor taking prisoners at this point. I mean, geez, Weaver was a vet, and I'm sure he was resigned to die. If not for the rest of his children, the feds would have just killed and burnt the cabin down. Even the presence of a baby seemed to be no, no matter to the feds. They wanted blood for blood, even though they were way ahead in this game. They spent the following week torturing both men and child alike, asking Vicky, the dead body, what she was making for breakfast, constantly mocking the bloating dead meat that was only days ago their mother. Oh, man, this bothers me even more than the murder because it gives us an idea of the psyche these agents have. Cold, inhuman, psychotic, completely soulless. The torture shows us that clearly. The terror of that week, mixed with various bouts of extreme pain from the injuries the men had, must have felt like an eternity. Finally, a character from the early Patriot movement, one that would be shown out as a shill anyway, Bo Greitz, answers the call. Weaver sent him letters over a year prior when this was still a court matter. Okay? Greitz had no time for a fellow soldier who served with him or under him, I'm not sure, but they had a relationship. Either way, there was, you know, there was a personal relationship of sorts, one that Bo didn't feel obliged to help. Then he was offered the spotlight, and him and a very good patriot named Jack Lamb, I believe, walked Weaver and Harris out. It wasn't until Bo was involved that the people even knew Vicky was dead. Had they known how, it might have become very dangerous for the military men up there. They kept it vague until the standoff was over. Before a civilian was brought in to mediate between the victims, the Weavers, and the terrorists, the FBI, the hope for peaceful resolution was a lie. It was a lie. They were absolutely sure and scared that a local might breach their lines and expose them to the world with no censorship. The crowds were growing by day and night, and not one of them was there to support the feds. Not one. The media was all too happy to talk about shot-up dudes, but unarmed women shot holding their babies? Kids shot up running back home? This was going to take a lot of spin, so much, in fact, that they just declined to really report it. They seemed to have lost interest before Weaver and Harris were both acquitted on the murder of federal agents. Then they seemed to have had other breaking news when a civil court awarded the surviving children a million dollars apiece and Weaver himself a hundred K. The feds, well, they got taken care of by their lapdogs in the media. This event shook the nation, even though every effort was made to defend the maniacal actions of the ATF or the FBI. Those who followed the story by other means were terrified. This was truly a first of its kind. A case of a family going off-grid and wanting to live and worship according to their own conscience? And with every right to do so, a faded trip to a family picnic at the Aryan Nation property was all it took to ruin this man's whole life. Murdered his wife and son, emotionally damaged the children for life. They took everything from this man, and they wanted more. They wanted not a pound of flesh. They wanted all of it. If they could have, they would have put a gun in everyone's hands, including the baby, before lighting the match. 
making them all extremist neo-Nazis and murderers. The strangest thing about this whole affair is the extreme lack of publicity it got. This was not your average story, and it had a ton of potential to keep readers on the edge of their seats. Then it was made crystal clear that the media was criminally aiding the feds in the conspiracy of murder and maliciously aiding their evasion of justice. After the tube heads heard the acquittals, if they did, they chalked it up to a racist jury. <laughs> I don't think they reported nationally on the civil win at all, but I could be wrong. Certainly it wasn't any Trump collusion energy there. The media slash state apparatus had learned the wrong lesson from this tragedy. We would only have to wait a year or so, and we were to see the results of Ruby Ridge. Instead of a compartmentalized info, they gave broad access to anyone five miles away. They let you see the front while they did dirt in the dark behind the building of Waco and the press. Ruby Ridge was a clear sign that this country had changed. Not that it was changing or about to change, but that it had changed. Where once a man's home was his castle, now nothing is safe, women and children included. Not even King George would have condoned such barbarity. If for nothing else than pragmatism and the desire to be seen as benevolent. benevolent. Um, the feds haven't claimed benevolence in some time. In fact, it seems they have no interest at all in even pretending to be a moral institution guided by justice or truth. Today, the FBI is a government unto itself. It does what it thinks it can justify and depends on the media to present them in a cartoonish light. The ETF needs to go. The FBI needs to go. Today, we see these institutions actually affecting elections and doing so much domestic policing that it's just outrageous. The FBI investigates. The local sheriff has policing powers. The feds should never be able to operate without expressed consent of the elected sheriff. If this simple law were actually followed, Ruby Ridge and Waco never would have happened. This is the importance of local government, the power of a constitutional sheriff. Does your sheriff know that it's him or her who stands between us and the feds? Not according to the fantastic success the feds have had going after January Sixers. Not one case has been made that the feds have no jurisdiction where they are, and unless provided with evidence of a crime, the accused will not be extradited to any other jurisdiction. Not once has this happened that I'm aware of. Disgusting. Well, I hope I did a little more justice to the story this time. I could, and I might, write a book about the atrocities that were committed in, my, in the 90s. <clears throat> for now, I say, pray for this people that they might overcome this evil fraud that parades about like a humanitarian, that their eyes become open to tyranny and the blinders to injustice fall or get slapped off of their stupid faces. Pray that they refuse to let this continue. That's really all you can do, right, guys? Just keep on praying and praying and arm yourselves to the teeth because... Dude, this government doesn't play fair, has not played fair, doesn't even know what the fuck fair is, dude, you know? Look what they did to Randy Weaver and his poor family, you know? Just a good, God-fearing family that wanted to live on top of a mountain and be self-sufficient. And for this, your government got a bug up their ass and tried, tried to, you know, um, force 
force Weaver into service for them. So, like, you know, we used to have a word, impress, impress him into service for, for them, you know, like a, like a draft or something. And when he refused, he was looking at, you know, looking at living in the inside of a concrete box for refusing to be a fucking snitch for the fucking feds. Guys, 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 guys. Now we live in a world where the feds don't do, no police do any investigating at all. They completely rely on snitches only. 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 Okay? The cops don't do police work if, unless it, yeah. That's why half the murders in California go unsolved. That's why 90% of the rapes in California go unsolved. 90%, folks. And for you ladies that are gun grabbers out there in California, think about that. One out of every 10 of you gals that gets raped does not see justice. Wouldn't you rather just be packing a pistol? Open your damn eyes, feminists, and act true to form. If you really are equal with men, you got to put a fucking pistol in your hand. I'm not equal with a 250-pound man, but when I've got a gun in my hand, I am. You idiots. Anyways, that is the uh, Ruby Ridge, you know, and broken down into about 20 minutes. It really is a much greater, much bigger story, but, you know, I'm just doing my part. So, y'all take care now on this Memorial Day. Peace out.